ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of a Christian, a believer. We have only a few more parts to look at in this series, but this morning is especially important because we're going to look at only two verses. But I want to prepare you for this, that in those two verses, you are going to find so much biblical truth packed into two verses. And I really want to exhort you, encourage you to take your Bibles, use the uh, outline, whatever will help you to take note of some of these things. Because I really truly believe that what Paul is saying to the church at Rome is what he would want to say to us today. Uh, Truly, it is a, a, a wonderful scripture. But I want to make sure I had a chance to give uh, greetings to the fathers here today. This was my Father's Day gift. This is Barney and uh, wishes all dads a happy Father's Day. Special day for me uh, because I have uh, a son. I've had three daughters and now I get a golden retriever. And I don't know which is easier. If you look at my hands, you could tell I've got, uh, well, bites and scratches from a little dog. But I'm very, very hopeful and happy with this dog. Let's get into our study this morning. Our Heavenly Father is our refuge and strength in our time of need. He hears our cry of desperation. And in Deuteronomy chapter 33, it says, he instantly, when he hears our cry of desperation, he rides through the heavens to come to our side. His everlasting arms, we are told, are stretched out beneath us, ready to catch us if we fall. And he pledges his strength when we are overwhelmed, when we are weak. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. God has made these promises known to us throughout the scriptures. That he is here. That he is with us. That he comes to our side. He rescues us. He loves us deeply. God the Father heard the cry of his son when he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But he didn't answer his son's cry that day. Instead, three days later, he answered it when he raised his son from the dead. And Jesus promised us that his father would also hear our cry. The Father's answer to our cry is, I've given you my Holy Spirit. Let him give you what is good and what is best. I heard somebody this morning on my way to church preaching about Father's Day and one of the comments uh, really angered me. It angered me because the preacher was saying that for those of us who are here, Somehow we have to try to um, compensate the fact that our Father is there. He's in heaven and we're here. 
And so uh, we don't have, someday we'll get to be with the father. But right here, we're sort of like, he didn't use the word abandoned orphans, but sort of that idea. Somehow we've got to make it through this time because he's in heaven and we're here on the earth. I completely reject that notion. (laughs) I reject the notion because that's what we're talking about here this morning. Is that we're not abandoned orphans. That God loves us. He's here by our side. And he's on our side, by our side, by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Father is here with us by means of his Spirit. All that he has, all that he is, is made available to us. Jesus talked about his Father in in ways that would help us understand the love and the care of God for us. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, he's talking about gifts now, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Notice He's trying to show the parallel as well as the contrast. The contrast is our God is a good God, a loving God. And when we pray, he gives us what's best for us. But the best thing he can give us is his Holy Spirit. That's what we want to talk about this morning. Because once we understand what that promise is all about... It makes a big difference in how we look at ourselves and we look at life. And before Jesus went to the cross, he asked his father to care for us. Think of that. On his way to the cross, he's thinking of us. He says, I will ask the father and he will give you another helper. In other words, like him. To be with you forever, even the spirit of truth Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. That's a distinctive of the Christian life. We have the residence, the presence of God in our life. Always. Never to be abandoned. Never forsaken. As Jesus walked among hurting humanity, many cried out to him for deliverance. They were in desperate straits. There was a father who had a son possessed by a demon. And the father cried out to Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus replied, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And the child's father cried out with tears in his eyes, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Jesus then rebuked this unclean spirit and it immediately came out of the sun. Another day, a Canaanite woman came to Jesus and she cried out, Lord, help me, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. Then Jesus answered, 
O woman, great is your faith. And immediately, her daughter was healed. Sadly, many today are also trapped in their own life crisis. We hear about it, we read about it, we know about it. People suffer. Some suffer silently, overwhelmed, and without hope. Some ponder suicide, as we've learned more and more in our culture. They ponder suicide as their only escape from futility. There are others who plot mass shootings as a final statement of life's futility. You see, their storms have no silver linings and have no rainbows. But there are others, maybe like us, who cry out to the Lord, Help me, Lord. My life is falling apart. Hear my prayer. I'm in pain. Hear my, heal my body. It is weak and it's sick. My business is in trouble. My family's living in under unbearable tension. My marriage is on the rocks. My children are wandering lost in rebellion. I feel all alone. No one understands what I'm going through. Lord, mend my broken heart. It is filled with grief and sorrow. Please give me hope to carry on. Please return to me the joy of my salvation. And those who have God as their father can be confident that he always hears your cry. Always. And his promise is found in Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. Those words need to be in our hearts and minds as we're going through some of these difficult times in our lives. And the Apostle Paul offers us further hope. He assures us that when we cry out to our Father, His help is personal, not impersonal. His help is sympathetic, not unsympathetic. And that he is near, he's not far. His answer to a cry of desperation is, I have given you my Holy Spirit. Children of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, there is really no reason to be hopeless or to feel that life is futile. Listen to Paul's promise to those who are overwhelmed in their weakness. Maybe some of you feel like that today. Maybe you don't. But there may come a day when you will and you will need to hear and understand what Paul is saying to us. 
This is only one verse. We'll cover another verse as we move along. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. I want to unpack that for us this morning. He begins by giving us a promise. The promise is that the Spirit will strengthen us in our weakness. He begins by saying, likewise. Likewise, the Spirit comforts us. When he says likewise, he's referring back to what he said, that even creation is groaning, crying out for deliverance from the effects of the curse on all of creation. And we too are crying out for deliverance. Deliverance from the curse of sin that affects all of us. We cry out for redemption from these decaying bodies in hope of new glorified ones. And even though we are saved from God's wrath, we still struggle with the power and the presence of sin. That battle is not over yet. And only the Holy Spirit can give us the power we need to live as Christ intends for us. Sometimes life seems to me like being a a wing walker. You're going, what is a wing walker? A wing walker was one who used to walk precariously on the wings of an old biplane. You may have seen pictures of that. And there would be wires that would connect those two uh, wings. And a wing walker would stand out on the wings of this plane and he would hold on for dear life to those wires. But when he needed to come inside, he had to let go of, he had to hold on to another one and let go and do this, work his way back. All the time, there were loop-de-loops. That's what it sometimes feels like to me. Loop-de-loops. That's when we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is our pilot. He is in the cockpit. And he reaches out to pull us in. Pull us into the strong arms of our Savior. It is the Holy Spirit who grabs hold of us and keeps us for Christ's sake. He will not let you go. We've talked about it before. The Spirit is our guarantee. He's our pledge. He's our security. Once you come to faith in Christ and you become a child of God, He doesn't let go. His grip is iron solid. Only He is able to keep us from falling and to present us Someday blameless before the presence of Christ's glory. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. The weakness that Paul speaks of is also our vulnerability. Our vulnerability to situations beyond our strength, our understanding, and our control. 
The Bible describes our weakness as our inclination or the possibilities of our sinful nature. Our flesh, or human nature, is weak. It's weak because of sin, but the Spirit gives us strength. Our weaknesses are our stress points where we feel crushed, overwhelmed, overcome, torn, tempted, and captured by our fears. In our weakness, we feel lost, abandoned, uncared for, and not sure where to turn. Have you ever been there? You ever been on a biplane, walking on a wing, while someone's doing loop-to-loops? Then you know what I'm talking about. In weakness, we need reassurance. We need reassurance that somebody somewhere actually cares for us and will provide whatever is needed. And that someone is the Holy Spirit. But there's also another weakness mentioned in the Bible that describes God's nature. Now let me clarify. God has no imperfections, faults, or needs. He's infinitely self-determined, self-sufficient, and self-satisfied. But the Bible does say God has revealed himself, himself to us in weakness. He reveals his strength in his weakness. So what kind of weakness does God have? Or does that have a weakness? In other words, God has revealed himself to us in weakness. This inclination of God's holding near, near nature, his, if you would, his weakness in his nature is this, to keep loving and redeeming sinners like us. It's not a weakness of his nature. It's an inclination of his nature. To just keep loving us and showing us his grace. And the cross is the symbol of God's wisdom as well as his weakness. We have here 1 Corinthians. The foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God, the inclination of God is stronger than than men. In God's wisdom and power, his inclination is to keep pouring his grace upon grace on sinners like us to reveal his power in our weakness. When God's children hurt, the Spirit deeply feels their burden. That may come as a surprise to some who think that God is without feeling, but he's full of feeling. He is our sympathetic, empathetic helper. When we are weak, the Spirit is also able to make us strong. 
For example, in Hebrews chapter 13, excuse me, chapter 11, verses 32 to 35, here's what it says. We are told that out of weak, the weakness of men and women in the Old Testament, they subdued kingdoms, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the enemies of, of, of God, and women received their dead raised to life again. How? By faith in their all-sufficient God. And it was in, in Christ's weakest, weakest moment that he made us whole. In 2 Corinthians, we are told, in weakness, Christ was crucified. The strength, the power, the grace of God was revealed through the weakness of Christ dying on the cross for us. Yet he lives by the power of God. We too are weak in him, but we shall live with him. How? By the power of God towards us. Brothers and sisters, when we talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, it is meaning that God provides for, makes available to us all the power of God, all the love of God, all the grace of God that he has. Everything we need, we can find in God. Do you mind a little side note here? On a personal note, I can look back on my life to see God's patience with me. How he was resolved to persevere with me, to preserve me. By his all-sufficient grace. There was a season in my life. It's like living on the east coast during hurricane season. One hurricane after another came ashore in my life. During that time as a pastor. I carried around in my briefcase a letter of resignation. Resignation for my church. Just in case I could just say, I'm done. I'm going to hand it over to somebody and flee the scene. There were times that I admit I wept like a baby for the Lord to deliver me from my misery. People were leaving the church. People I loved. Close friends. Leaving the church because they said I taught the doctrines of grace. Some critics went to denominational leaders to try and kick me out of my church for preaching the sovereignty of God and salvation. Others went to talk to local pastors, and one of them was named, I may think you've heard his name before, Pastor Bill Acton. They went to talk with him, tell them their woes about their pastor. And when Bill heard that I was preaching sovereign grace, you know what he said to them? Praise God for your pastor. (laughs) And I'm so grateful for his support. I was a young guy who needed a veteran to come alongside and said, keep at it. At that time, I was also occupied trying to get help for my father who had Alzheimer's. 
My mother was curled up in a bed with pain from pancreatic cancer. My sister-in-law was wasting away from cancer. And my first wife was suffering in the hospital with intense pain from vertebrae in her spine that had collapsed because she had multiple myeloma. Add to that, the church was dealing with a controversy that required public discipline of a long-time leader and elder in the church. That was devastating. And to top it off, I was in the midst of leading our church in a huge five-year building program. All that in that hurricane season. During this time, I had many self-pity parties. Have you ever had one? You usually only invite yourself, but if anybody else can stand you, they will listen for a while. In these self-pity parties I had, I felt abandoned, rejected, overwhelmed, and totally inadequate to remain at my post. If anything, I'm thinking, just get me out of here. I'm going to reach for my resignation letter and get out of this situation. But I'm here today to say the Lord was faithful, even when I was not faithful. He was faithful to bring me through those days. And here's what I can see now. I can see now that what was loss has now become my gain. I lost my father, father, mother, sister-in-law, my wife, a mother-in-law, another sister-in-law, all within that hurricane season. I just felt like I was the next guy to go. I was afraid to get on a plane. Because it was probably going to be my day. That's how bad it looked. So if you are in a pity party, please don't listen to your self-talk. Don't listen to that self-talk that keeps repeating things like this. Give up. Give in. You're a loser. God doesn't care. There's no hope. Instead, listen to the small, silent voice of the Holy Spirit. He whispers words of affirmation, hope, and encouragement. He keeps telling me, But you're a son. You're part of the eternal family. This may sound unique to some of you that the Holy Spirit feels your hurt and He stands with you in grace. That's why when you say that our Father is in heaven, And we're here and somehow we're trying to bridge this gap. Just don't get it. The the gap has been fulfilled. Christ died on the cross to bring us together. The Father and the Holy Spirit indwells each of us to give us strength and encouragement. You're not abandoned. You do matter to God. He will give you the power and the resources to accomplish whatever he calls you to do.
Now let's go back to our text and take on the next verse and part of the first verse again. Let's just read it again. Look at it. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. My friends, there is so much doctrine packed into this that all we can do is basically skim through some of it. But let me try. The Spirit intercedes for us when we pray. Let's start there. What does an intercessor do? An intercessor petitions God for help on our behalf. He stands in the gap for us to advocate and plead our case. Someone is on our side. He faithfully intervenes into a situation as our mediator to represent us and seek what is best for us. Someone is on our team. Someone is for you. We do not have to convince God, our Father, that he needs to do his work for us. If that's how you're praying, then you need to change. You need to understand what he's saying. God is always on us. If God be for us, who can be against us? You don't have to persuade God that he should do something good. So why do we need an intercessor anyway? Well, sin has separated all humanity from a holy God. It has always been necessary, read the OT, for a righteous mediator to stand in the gap between sinners and a holy God to seek reconciliation and deliverance. The Bible has many examples of those who were interceders. Abraham pleaded to God for mercy on behalf of sinful Sodom. Moses interceded for Israel when they grumbled and they murmured against the Lord. Israel's priests offered sacrifices and prayers on behalf of God's people. That's why we needed an intercessor. Well, who is our intercessor? Well, first, Christ is our great mediator in our salvation. He has reconciled us to himself through his sacrificial death on the cross. He is our great high priest who is seated at the right hand of God's throne, constantly interceding and representing us before the Father for good. When you are praying, uh, if you don't mind the illustration, uh, it's like the Father says, come on in here, sit down by my son and tell us what you need. Sit down right here, right next to me. We don't have to shout to try to get God's attention. (laughs) Just come sit down. Kneel down. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man. And who is it? The man, Christ Jesus. We have a mediator. We have an intercessor for us. 
Well, then, how is the Holy Spirit interceding for us? I mean, how is he our intercessor? The indwelling Holy Spirit is also our great mediator in the sense that he's always constantly ongoing in a process of our sanctification, of our growth. That's his work. He's doing this. He is our on-site intercessor. As I say, when you think of God in heaven, think of the intercessor, the Holy Spirit, within. He's on-site. And he stands in the gap prompting and encouraging us to pray. Go ahead and pray to our Father. And one thing about the Holy Spirit as well is that he knows the limits of our human resources. In other words, what I'm saying is the Holy Spirit's intimately acquainted with each one of us. It's not impersonal, it's extremely intimate and personal. He intercedes for us when we don't even know what or how to pray for. He knows how we are feeling and what we're thinking, even if we can't articulate these things ourselves. Paul had times like that. When he struggled to know God's wills for his life, he often was caught on the horns of a dilemma, but he persevered in ministry for the greater good of the gospel. He faced debilitating sickness, degenerating eyesight, relentless, obstinate enemies. And because of this, he went to the Lord three times and asked the Lord, please, Lord, take this thorn from my flesh. I can't take it anymore. I'm getting my resignation letter out of my briefcase. I can't do this. And each time, you know what the Lord said to him? See, the Lord does repeat himself because we usually take three times before we get to understand it. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness, in your weakness. Therefore, most gladly, says Paul, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, are you kidding me, Paul? How did you ever get there? Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, under pressure, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then what did he discover? I'm strong. Where does he get the strength? From the Holy Spirit. That's a long road till you get to that point. <laughs> but you can get there. The Holy Spirit, He pleads our case through our prayers, He pleads our case. Our prayers are God's ordained means of fulfilling God's will in our life. Hear that again. Our prayers are God's ordained means to fulfill his will in our lives. The spirit then helps us pray to accomplish God's will in my life. How valuable is your prayer life? You could see how valuable it is to each and every one of us. 
And the Holy Spirit silently groans in intercession with us. What's a groan? I probably don't need to describe it for you. Have you ever been hurt so badly, been so depressed, discouraged, that all you could do is go, oh, that's groans. Oh. If you've gotten to that place, you understand not only human suffering, but the deep emotions of the Holy Spirit with us and in us. Do you see the connection here? How intimately connected and related to us is the Holy Spirit? That he would groan my groans? And because the Spirit is empathetic for us, he groans with us and he yearns for the things that we yearn for. And when our prayers become wordless cries for help, he takes our groans to our Heavenly Father so that our groans become perfectly understood prayers. Isn't that nice to know? In this world, we groan. We groan desiring to be clothed with glory and to be swallowed up by life. And so does the Holy Spirit. The Spirit groans as well for the day that we shall be united with Christ. On that day, His mission will be completed. Job well done, Holy Spirit. This is where praying begins to say, Really? When I pray? God uses my prayers to accomplish his will for my life or the good of other people? You see, the Holy Spirit knows God's will. The Father knows our minds and everything about us. He searches our hearts and understands all the intents of our thoughts. He gives us what we need when we can't even explain what we're really thinking and feeling. The Father even knows what we need before we even pray. Hmm. That's why Jesus told us not to be anxious. He said, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, well, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? He said, for the Gentiles are those without Christ. Seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But do what? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Many times we're worried about things that will never come to pass. <laughs> because God's in control, not us. You see, our prayers do not overcome any reluctance in God. But our prayers are His ordained ways of appropriating what He wants for us. You have not because you what? You don't ask. 
So ask. And if he doesn't give it to us, what's our answer? Father, not my will, but thy will be done. Because his will is always good. His will is always best. So if we don't know how to pray, don't even feel like praying, the Spirit intercedes for us because he intimately knows our feelings and burdens. You're never alone. You don't have to cry out to God said to say something like this. God, I don't know if you know what I'm feeling. Because I can tell you, he does. God's never surprised, never be, needs to be informed, needs, never needs to be corrected. Therefore, because the Spirit knows the mind and the will of God, he can intercede for us according to the Father's will. He prompts us to pray for God's will and good pleasure to be accomplished. The will of God resides in the mind of the Spirit. And the Spirit resides in us. What he helps us pray is always consistent with the Father's will. That's why we are to pray, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. Just so you follow the scriptures here, when we talk about the Spirit knows the mind of God, the Father, look at this. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, that's us. You can't even imagine how glorious the day is ahead for us. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but who? But the spirit who is from God. That we might understand the things freely given to us by God. We will never, ever be abandoned. We will never be misunderstood. We will never be without help. We are not expected to always feel like God's beloved children. But that's why the Spirit witnesses to our spirit that we are the children of God. We're not expected to always know how or what to pray for. But that's why the Spirit intercedes for us. When all you can do is groan. We're not expected to always know God's specific will for our lives. But because the Spirit knows the mind of God, He intercedes for us according to the Father's will. We aren't always expected to have in ourselves the strength to do what God calls us to do. But that's why the Spirit can give us the power to live a godly life. We can pray in the Holy Spirit because he's always, always interceding for us. Now here's the big takeaway, and it is at the end of this message. So be patient. 
This verse is one of the most favorite verses of most of us, right? Okay. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That's verse 28. What are the other verses we just looked at? 26, 27. Have you ever put the two together? Try it. Here's what it looks like. Do you know that God works all things together for good? How does he do that? We know God works all things together for good through the prayers of the saints and the intercession of the Holy Spirit. That's the context for this wonderful verse of ours. The Spirit intercedes through our prayers the will of God to fulfill the purpose for which we were called. What an amazing gift. What a privilege we've been given. We're all on a journey. Many of us have been on a biplane doing loop-de-loops or on a carousel spinning around out of control. But we've never been abandoned. We've all had our moments. Maybe you have a moment like that now. You feel alone. But you're not. You have in you, as a child of God, the Spirit of God. The love that God has in heaven has now been revealed in us. The wisdom of God that he has has been revealed in us. The power that God had to create all things is now the power that's within us. Think of the possibilities of faith in the midst of what you're going through today. Take that resignation letter out of your briefcase. And trust God. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads us to eternal time, to eternal life. Jude 20 and 21. Brothers and sisters, we are so blessed. My exhortation to you is, Consider the ministry of the Holy Spirit in you. If you're here this morning and you do not know Christ, then you are alone. (laughs) You do not have power from high. But if you desire someone to reconcile your life to God, then call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ who are gathered here this morning. Lord, who can fathom the depth, the width, 
the greatness of your love? Who can understand the measure of your grace for sinners like us? We thank you that today we have someone who's interceding for our best. And you have given us the best by giving us your Holy Spirit. For those who are in a moment, in a time, a season of a hurricane, a season of adversity, season of temptation, Father, may the Holy Spirit give us the conviction to say no to sin and to say yes to your Spirit. If there be anybody here who's not a child of God, one of yours, even now may your Holy Spirit work convicting of sin and giving them faith to believe that they might come to know Christ as their Savior. God as their Father and your Spirit as our Comforter. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.